this morning, I've got a message for you guys, and um, I am I'm excited to bring something practical for us this morning. This is kind of like a part two of what I preached a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I preached on seek first the kingdom of God, and um, I talked uh, I talked about seeking God first and making sure that we do that, so that what we do, what comes out of that, is that we're walking in in His Spirit, walking in what God has for us, and not out of our flesh. And then Matt preached last week. How good was Matt's message last week if you were here? It was really, really good. And um, he talked on being holy and perfect. Does anyone remember those words? Anyone remember what holy was? Kadush. Yes. Well done. And does anyone remember um, what perfect was? Yep. Telios. That's right. It was telios. And um, it was all about, you know, what I want to be when I get older. And basically what it is, is that holy is that I want to be set apart by God for God's purpose to be different and uh, to live differently. And to be, um, you know, to be perfect, it's actually to understand the reason why we were created, to understand why we exist. So what I want to do today is I want to give us something for our Monday. I just don't want to um, preach a message today and, um, you, know, get, we, you know, we get filled of, you know, that was really, really cool. And then we drop it on the floor and leave. Um, but I want to give you something for your Monday that you can leave and you can ask yourself some questions um, during the week and have a think about this um, concept or this this thought today, which is what's on the table? What is on the table? And I want to set this message up this morning um, around this, this, this question, what is on the table? And you're probably thinking, Chris, what are you talking about? What is on the table? What do you mean? Well, who's ever been in a conversation or a meeting or, um, you know, in a brainstorming idea and everyone's like, you know, how could we do this? You know, what should we do about this? Or what action should we take in this? And everyone, you know, people give ideas and we say, hey, we'll throw that on the table and we'll see if we'll pick that up later on. Give me a wave if you're with me, if you understand what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, we're in a conversation. Oh, we'll throw that idea on the table. And if the idea is on the table, it actually means that we can pick that idea up and use it at some time, um, you know, potentially in the, um, the solving of the problem or where we're going as a business or, you know, what we're going to do with our life. You know, what are you going to do when you leave school? You know, we'll throw all the ideas on the table and you know, we can pick these things up if we so wish. And basically what we're saying when we say this is let's make it an option. When we say, hey, we'll throw it on the table, what we're saying is let's make it an option. There's lots of options that we could use. And this is potentially one of them. We may never pick it up. But if it's on the table, we could. And this morning, what I want to suggest is that there are some things on the table of our lives that maybe should never be on there. Or maybe there's some things, some options in our lives that are there that never should be. And I think in life, you know, just as we, as we go on, these are thoughts that we need to continually have. It's not like we just make this, this, this one-off, um, these are all the options that I'm ever going to make in my life. Now, this is a discussion that we need to continually have in our life. What's on the table of my life that maybe shouldn't be there at the moment? Because if it's never on the table, we can never pick it up. 
Let me pray. God, I just pray for this message today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you speak through this message. Um, I just pray um, that there isn't um, condemnation or guilt, Lord God, but Holy Spirit, you work um, through this through this message that we can think about our lives and think about some things that maybe should be added to it or some things that should be taken out of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. A few weeks ago, I talked about seeking first the kingdom of God above all else. This week, I want to look a little bit more into this and live righteously. And why? Because he will give us everything we need. I love that promise. But first what I want to do, I want to turn, um, you've got a Bible, um, you can turn that on um, or you can open that up. Look at this, we've got a Bible down the front. Woo, Jess Market, look at you go. Come on now. Um, so um, we can open the Bible up to Daniel 1 um, if you want to do that. And we're going to pick up the story from verse 8. So basically, um, Nebuchadnezzar has gone and won a war and he said, all righty, come get me some of the, the strongest, the smartest, the most good looking blokes Though I can teach them in my way so that they can become part of what I'm doing. This is where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, all come into, come into the story. And um, they actually had other names before that. But, um, and basically the, the story is saying that the king has given these, 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 um, these kids, I suppose, a portion of what's off his table. He's saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them eat off my table. But if you know the story, we're going to read it. But what happens, Daniel says, you know what? I'm not going to eat off the king's table. And we're going to get into that today. Verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths um, your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were the names before they were changed. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. This is also known as the Daniel diet. Not sure you've heard of it, but there's this like Daniel fast or the Daniel diet where you pretty much just eat veggies and water. Sounds amazing. Um, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. All right. So this morning, I don't want us to get bogged down too much on what they ate. 
all right? All, not, oh, just not on the veggie thing, okay? The Daniel diet is, or the Daniel fast is a cool thing. Give it a go um, if you want to do that. It's just kind of saying, hey, I'm going to um, not have, I suppose, some of the things that I usually have in my life that, that make, me, make me feel good. It's a, it's a good cleansing thing I've been told. I've actually never done the Daniel fast, um, but um, I should give it a go. I'm preaching on it, right? Um, but I'm not preaching on the Daniel fast this morning. That's what I'm, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking on this morning is that Daniel didn't eat from the king's table. And why didn't he eat from the king's table? You know, there, I, I believe that, you know, this, the king's table is kind of like a representation of everything the world has that is good. It's like everything that the world, all the good stuff would have been on the king's table, right? The king had access and he could have whatever he wanted in the whole of the area that, that he was king of. So if there was something good that was out there, he would have said, I want that at my table. I want that thing at my table. And I think, um, you know, what, what I want to suggest today is that what Daniel is saying is that, you know, I don't want necessarily what the world has for me. I actually want what God has for me. But I have some thoughts that Daniel didn't eat from the king's table for, for three possible reasons. And I think that these are, these are pretty, pretty accurate. That he didn't know, and I want to just pause there. You know, sometimes in life how we just know it's wrong and other times we're just not sure. Anyone been there? It's like, ah, I just, I just don't know about this one. I'm just not sure about this one. So Daniel actually wouldn't have 100% known this. But I think that there was definitely a good chance that it would go against some of his Jewish traditions. That um, some of them were, which included eating meat that may not have been drained of blood as required by the Jewish law. So he had these convictions in his life and these things that he lived by. And the, you know, in, in Leviticus, you know, it talks about all of the, you know, Jesus actually, I think, quotes Leviticus more than any other book in the Bible. It's amazing. <laughs> and we don't, yeah, so you um, should read it. It's a crazy book. <laughs> but um, the, 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 the reason why I believe that he said, you know, I don't want to eat off the king's table is because he had conviction to say, you know, I'm going to follow God. And he didn't know, but there was a good chance that the food wouldn't have been prepared properly and it wouldn't have been kosher to what they what he should have been eating. Another reason is that it was likely, um, and, and the food on the king's table was often used as ritual off offerings to other gods, to the Babylonian gods. So there was a good chance that this food that they were going to eat had actually been offered as a sacrifice to another god and part of the, of the Jewish traditions. And, and you know, part of, um, part of Daniel's convictions, like, no, I'm not going to eat food that had been an idol um, to any other god. I'm not going to eat something that's been sacrificed to any other god because I'm going to follow my god alone. And it's funny that Daniel didn't refuse the training the king gave him. He didn't refuse the name he gave him, but he did refuse the food. If that was me, I would have been like, give me the choice food. Give me the pork, you know, give me the steak, medium rare. Give me that wine. Oh my gosh, you know, look at the fruit banquets. Anything that was on the kid's, king's table would have been amazing for me to eat. But Daniel was saying, you know what? 
no, I don't want this. And one of the reasons is, is because what it actually is, um, it draws it draws a line in the sand and eating at the king's table, eating the king's food is a public declaration of saying, I depend on the king. I depend of the king at that time. But what Daniel is saying is that I'm not going to rely on King Nebuchadnezzar, but you, Lord, alone. And isn't it amazing that out of that, only a few chapters later, when they said, hey, everyone bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing because I'm not going to rely on the king. I'm actually going to rely on my God alone. It's amazing when leadership actually says, hey, no, no, this is how we're going to live that the people under them actually live the same way. It's a cool thought. So what I, what I love about this as well is that after they've done this, that what happened when he made his mind up that he said, no, 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 I'm going to live by conviction and I'm going to actually do the thing that I know is right, what God wants me to do. God blessed him. God blessed him and gave him aptitude and and gave them understanding greater than anyone else that was being raised up. And 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 that was amazing, you know, moving forward that we we know the story that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thrown into the fire, you know, they didn't have a, a whiff of smoke on them. And out of that, Nebuchadnezzar goes, this is the God, this is the real God. You know, that's amazing that because of the decision that he made, to say, no, 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 he could have just done what everyone else was doing, but he didn't. You know, Romans 12, 2, out of the message version, I love this. It says, do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. What a, what a great thought. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And what this verse is saying is that, you know what? As Christians, we can't just get so well-adjusted to the culture around us. We just start doing what everyone else is doing. So this righteousness thing, what is it? What is righteousness? And this message today is not about law, okay? This is not about being a good person. Because if we just try to follow the rules, we're going back to the Old Testament and Jesus dying, is, there's, there's no point to it. So this isn't about being a better person, okay? But righteousness is, righteousness is not about being legalistic. It is not about our achievements in God's um, school of law. It's not like, you know, I've ticked all the boxes and I am like, I've done all the right things. Righteousness is a wonderful gift from God to humanity through Christ's act of love. Righteousness is a gift we cannot earn. Righteousness is actually a gift that we receive at salvation. So this, to, to live righteously, we can't do it. But we receive righteousness when Jesus died on the cross for us so that we stand righteous in front of God when we get to heaven. That no longer are we, um, um, what's the word, responsible for um, what we've done, but Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that the only way that we can get to heaven is because Jesus died on the cross and we are made right with God. So I want to throw that out there first. But saying that, just because we're made righteous, does that mean that we can just live whatever life we want to live? You can say no to that. You're allowed to do that. No, we shouldn't just live whatever life that we want to live. 
And we can see this in the Bible so clearly. It says um, that we need to seek righteousness and we need to flee from sin. And, you know, Matthew 6.33, we read it a few times this morning. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. 1 Timothy 6.11, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Matthew 5.6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the Bible is so clear that we cannot earn righteousness. It's only through Christ alone. And we can see that in Romans 3.22. It says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ alone. To all who believe, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So righteousness, we only receive through Christ, but we have to have a, uh, as a Christian, we have to want to live this life that God has for us. Remember, if we just try to be a better version of myself, we're going to fail every time. But what we want to try to do is be a better reflection of who Jesus Christ is. And the only way that we can do that is to know the Scripture. The only way that we can do that is to understand how Jesus has created us, to know what the Word of God says so that we can make informed decisions out of it. So my message today is all about a question. I want to not tell you what to do. My job as a pastor is not to tell you how to live. That's not why I'm here. I do that with my kids, okay? I'm here to be able to encourage you in a relationship with God for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to say, hey, this is the life that He has called you to live. And it's so clear in the Bible, but I'm not up here to say, do this, don't do this. this it's all in the Bible. It's so clear. We just read it, how we should be living our life. But I'm here today to ask you one question. And that question is, what's on the table? of your life because it's so easy to sit in a message and go I hope that person's listening (laughs) I really I wish that person came to church this morning (laughs) I really wish they were here to hear this message this would be so good for them where the Holy Spirit's knocking on your door going hey I've got something for you too I've got something for you as well and that's my heart for this message this morning what's on the table of your life so I have an analogy for us this morning. I bought a little bit of uh, Robbie McEwen with me. I just, you know, missed her so much. Um, I've bought a bit of, bit of Robbie with me just so that we can have a bit of a uh, um, um, visual. Thank you. That's the word. What is it called? Object lesson. That's what they call it, object lesson. So, we, we get, so this is what happens. I'll, I'll move this out of the way so you can see it. So we, we get to life and these decisions come up. Like, well, what should we do? How should we make this decision? Where should I land with my decisions? And um, how, should I, how should I act in this, in, this, in this moment? And this happens all the time. You know, some decisions are just every day we'll eat for lunch, all this stuff. But there's sometimes in life we need to make this decision. Like, for example, um, I don't know, tax time. <laughs> Matt's out. Um, <laughs> I'm um, tax time. <laughs> You know, right now, you know, we're doing our taxes and the decisions need to come up. You know, am I going to tick that box because I can? Or am I going to tick that box because everyone else is doing it? Or another time in life, you know, oh, everyone else is doing it. Mm, should I, should I not? So I've broken our decisions into four different categories. And the first one I want to talk about is this is what we should be living our life out of. And it's conviction. We should be living our life out of conviction. And when I say conviction, it's not what. Everyone has their own opinion. 
Everyone, you know, if we, if we go on a scale of what's right and wrong, everyone will have their own scale about what they should do. But I believe true conviction should come out of what the Word of God says. True conviction should come out of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. You know, this isn't judgment that one person on their walk with God or another person with a walk in, in their walk with God, God's going to be talking to them differently, but still aiming to get them to the same place. Okay, so conviction, um, we should, you know, the decisions that we make out of conviction is like, well, no, I'm a Christian and I know what the Word of God says about that. And I know if I make this decision, it's going to go against what the Bible actually says. This is what Daniel did. He's actually said, if I make this decision to eat off the king's table, it's actually going against what God has for me, and we're not going to make it. You know, another, another um, way that we make decisions, and we make decisions like this a lot, and it's a compared decision. A compared to what? Who ever made a decision because everyone else is doing it? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to do that. You know, everyone else is doing it, so it's, it's fine. It's like, well, you know, they're doing it, and, you know, they're doing it, and they're doing it, and they're Christians, so obviously that means it's okay for me to do it. Is that necessarily the case? I don't think it is. I think that we make decisions so often compared to what other people are doing, but are we actually making them out of our convictions. You know, me and Tristan had this discussion just the other day. We were doing something and, you know, Centrelink is, sorry if you're watching Centrelink, it is the most confusing organisation in the world, okay? If you've ever had to apply for child support or something, it is so hard to understand what these questions are. But this question came up and we're like, you know what, we probably could do this because we do this with everything else. But then we read a little further and it says, no, you have to do this. And in me, I'm like, oh, we, we, we could, they're never going to know. They're never going to know. We just put in, you know, maybe the wrong amount. But, you know, there's something in me that went, it's just not the right thing to do. I'm not going to do it just because everyone else does it. I'm going to make the decision out of my convictions knowing that it's not necessarily 100% true. The Bible talks about not lying, not, not um, you know, doing things that we, that we know we shouldn't be doing. But, hey, let's honor the organization that is so amazing for Australia. And we're going to say, no, we're not going to make that decision. We're going to do the right thing. But we do this. We, we compare our decisions all the time. You know, youth, you do this all the time. Everyone else is doing it, so I'm going to give it a go as well. It's like we know we shouldn't be doing this stuff. We know we shouldn't be acting this way. But you know what? They do it and they do it and they do it and they do it and they seem all right, so I'm going to give it a go as well. Don't make a decision out of compared to. Make a decision out of, hey. And if you don't know, this is the problem. A lot of the time when we go to make these decisions, we don't actually know what the, the Word of God does say about it. That's when it's important that we take the time to say, hey, just give me a moment. You know, if it's an, a big instant decision, you shouldn't be making it anyway. <laughs> you know, when you're making decisions, it's important you talk to people about these decisions you're making. It's important that, um, you know, a big decision in life, um, don't just make it out of a feel-good moment, but make it out of an informed position. And if you're not informed on what the Bible says, Google it. What does the Bible say about this? Someone's done the work for you. You don't have to find it yourself. Theologians hate me saying this, but I think that Google is one of the greatest things for people growing in their relationship with God. Because if you don't know the answer, the Bible is a big book with lots of pages and lots of words. But some people, you know, theologians have done all the work for us that we can say, what does the Bible say about this? And there will be articles and there will just be Bible verses pop up all the time. And then out of that, we can go, oh, that's what the Word of God says about it. So this is the decision that I'm going to make. Another is that it's a compromise choice. 
We make compromise choices all the time. And these are, I know what my convictions are, but I'm just going to compromise this once. I'm just going to compromise this once. And this is the hard place because there's so much grace. We're never going to be perfect. We're always going to make mistakes. But if we are intentionally compromising all the time, our compromise actually starts to become our conviction. And what happens is that the thing that we do, think, well, I've done it before, so I'll do it again. <laughs> I've done it a few times, so I'll keep doing the same thing. And actually, our, we start to believe that it's okay. But does it actually mean it's the right thing? And these compromised decisions are like, well, you know, I'm out with the friends, out with my mates, and... You know, uh, what's a good example? I'm out, I'm out at the pub with, with some mates. I'm a pastor. Should I be at the pub? I don't know. Um, you can make that decision for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't. Um, so um, I'm, out, I'm at the pub with some mates and I'm having a beer. All right? But the time comes where I know, you know, I've had a beer or two and like, that's, that's enough. You know, for me, I always want to be able to drive. That's for me. I always want to be able to drive a car. That's my conviction that if I can't drive a car, I'm, I'm gone too far. So for me, it's like the next round comes along. Do I say, I'll just compromise this once because my wife's driving me home? Or do I say, no, what? No. I'm going to live out of my convictions and make the decision because I might compromise this once and a phone call might come through that I have to go pick up my kids. <laughs> and I can't. You know, that's just a, an example but we, we make compromises all the time. And I just want to throw that question, how often are we compromising our beliefs? Because what happens is that the last choice comes. And it's a carnal decision. This is just sin. This is when we fall. This is when we make mistakes. This is not just when we make mistakes, but when big things happen in life. Examples. You know, think about all these amazing pastors that we know throughout history that have had crazy moral falls. It's like, how could they possibly get to this place? How could a man of God or a woman of God get to this place to make a decision like this? You know, you could think of people that don't have to be a pastor. You can just think of amazing men and women in your life. Like, how did they get to this place in their life? And it all started with maybe a compared decision, which led to a compromised decision, which then in the end leads to a carnal decision. You know, um, an example of this, and I think it's one of the biggest things in the Western world, it's lust. And it's, it's this, it's the world is run by this sex drive of, of the world. It's just everything is sexual. And the, you know, stats would say that 50% of the, 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 the uh, marriages within, within um, you know, this room and um, just, you know, within, within our church this is statistics, I don't know if it's true, would, would be broken. And a huge percentage of that actually comes through moral falls. The reason why they haven't come through moral falls. And we think, oh, you know, that, that'll never happen to me. But if we look at the Bible, the smartest man, the strongest man, and the man after God's own heart all fell to sexual sin. <laughs> it was David, Solomon, and Samson. The strongest man that ever lived fell to this. 
the wisest man to have ever lived fell to this. And a man after God's own heart fell to this. You know, we have to be so naive to think that it could never happen to me. But think about how many compromises and how many, you know, I'll just say compromises were made (laughs) to actually end up in that position. So I've got a few questions to ask us just to finish off, just as the band comes. Remember, this morning I'm not here to tell you what to do or what not to do. I'm here to ask you a question. You know, we're all going through stuff in life. We're all in different places in life. You know, maybe it might be. You know, what, what's our, our conviction on pornography? You know, it's, it's something, you know, I, I, I speak about this all the time um, with, with youth, and I do, I do chats about this in school and stuff, because it's a drug that is killing the world. Even non-Christians are, 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 are showing and saying how dangerous this stuff is. You know, what are our convictions with this stuff? How, how willing are we to compromise to get this feeling to make us feel good? Because I feel what, you know, what, what Daniel was saying, was, hey, I'm not going to eat from the king's table. I think the reason why he's saying is because he said, I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need this stuff. I don't need to make these compromises to make me feel okay. Because I can actually get all of that through Jesus. or well, through God <laughs> in his time. But for us, we don't need to make these. The reason we compromise is because we want to feel good. We want to, we want to feel okay. We want, we want this, this thing in our life just so we can fit in maybe or to, you know, we're going through a hard time so I'll just compromise so I can just feel good for this moment. But I want to encourage you this morning, church, that we can actually... Get everything you need through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we always going to get it perfect? No. But these are really good conversations to have. Because I heard a really good analogy once. Actually, before I get to that, two questions I want to ask. What do you need to take off your table? Maybe what options are you on your table that you potentially could pick up? Because if it's never on the table, you can never pick it up. You need to get some of those options off. You know, youth. You know, I, I get we've, we, we, we all um, make mistakes in life. And, not, and, and you know this, nothing you ever do separates you from the love of God. Nothing you ever do um, can take you out. <laughs> nothing you ever do can disqualify you. But definitely some things we do definitely hold us back. Definitely some things we do slow us down. Definitely some things we do stop the blessing that God has for us. You know, I know that one of the big reasons I'm standing on this stage today is because of the things I said no to when I was 18, 19, and 20s. That's the reason why I'm here. But it's amazing because the thing I say no to today, you have no idea about how much hurt and pain you missed out on. It's the grace of God. By saying no back there, we miss out. And it's amazing on so much stuff we never have to go through. Sometimes we get to these places in life and go, God, how did I get here? He's like, you you chose. (laughs) Hey, I'm with you still. I'm with you still. I'm with you still. I'm with you still. But I didn't get you there. It was a compromised decision. It was a compared decision. You moved away from your convictions. 
At the same time, the things that I say yes to today, you know, it's amazing the blessing that comes from that. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, we we do these things to be blessed. No, we do these things because we love God. But I'm also going to let you know there's a truth in it, that there is blessing from living this life. There is blessing from honouring God. There is blessing. And a lot of the blessing is just missing out on the pain, (laughs) I believe. What do you need to take off your table? Maybe what do you need to put onto your table as an option? This is a whole other message. Who do you need to invite to your table? And who do you need to kick off your table? That could be for another week maybe. but. But I heard this amazing analogy once. And it was actually someone, um, you know, talking about, it was actually an analogy about an affair. And um, the story goes, you know, there's this person in this country town and they went out and they came home and their house was on fire. The whole house was on fire. Anyway, the fireys come, they put it all out and they do their investigation and they found out that they just left a candle on. Anyway, everyone coming up to them in the streets going, I'm so sorry about your house. So sorry about your house. Well, at least it wasn't your fault, you know. Just a silly mistake to, you know, just left one candle on. And they said, yeah, but if I just blew that candle out, the house never would have gone up. <laughs> you know, what are some candles in our life that maybe we need to blow out so the house never has an opportunity to burn? You know, there's some things in life that we just need to get real about. So you know what? This probably isn't the will that God has for me. I'm going to blow that candle out. I'm going to take it off the table so it's not something that I'm going to pick up. Let's not become so well adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. Instead, let's fix our attention on God. We'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognising what He wants for you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around us, who's always trying to drag us down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet this morning as we finish up. Now this morning, if this message talked to you, I just want to encourage you that God's love is always present. Remember, nothing we can do can ever separate us from the love of God, ever. But there's times in life we need to ask ourselves these questions. Hey, what's on the table of my life that I might need to take off? What are some things that maybe I'm doing or thinking or going towards right now that, you know what? They're not the things that I know that God really has for my life. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much, everyone here today. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for... Um, you. I thank you for your love. I just pray this morning that, you know, as you speak to every one of us in our hearts and we're thinking about what's on the table of our life, God, you give us the strength. It's only through you. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can be transformed through the renewing of our heart that this stuff can happen. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now you just speak into that. Actually, I supernaturally, I just pray for uh, a wave, Lord God, just to pour over that stuff. Just Sweep it away. Wash it away, God. God, right now, if there is sin and stuff in our life right now, God, we just say sorry. We repent. And we're going to continue to find out what the Word of God says about this stuff. We're going to continue to understand the amazing plan and purpose you have for us. 
that we can continue to live this life of righteousness that you're calling us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Hey, why don't we finish with a song? Yeah, you can give God a clap. That's good.